Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Well, I am thrilled to have the opportunity. Whoop, a little hot there. Trevor will get it figured out. Bring me down there, brother. My voice carries. We doing okay now? Uh, pulpit mic off? Is the pulpit mic off? Oh, how we miss Scott. <laughs> I, I didn't mean that offense to you. He just went like this. <laughs> if, hey, I'm saying I don't even know how to solve it entirely. So um, if you need to, switch me over to pulpit as well if it's going to be echoing like that. And Pastor and I will just stick to the pulpit as he did this morning. So... Whatever we got to do, man, all right? And we'll get through and we'll learn. I'm, I'm, I appreciate uh, young people willing to learn. And uh, he'll switch me over to pulpit if he needs to. If he has sometimes the gain switch up there, you got to turn it back just a little bit. If that doesn't work, like I said, switch it over to the pulpit. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, uh, we do need more people in uh, other areas of ministry, not just sound and media, but uh, opportunity to learn. And of course, uh, you know, there are those moments that uh, things happen like this. And we work through those things. But uh, as I was mentioning, I do appreciate the opportunity to come back and deal with this topic. Uh, because as I told you uh, last Sunday morning, uh, this is a topic that touches every day of your life. You're going to deal with this. Uh, either forgiving uh, people who... <laughs> I, I was telling you, you'll understand who, who you've got to forgive here in just a second. Uh, uh, I was telling my wife the other day that I, says, I said, you know what? I have come up with a bumper sticker that I want to put on the back of my car. And uh, I said, uh, having lived up here in the north now, coming up on six years, it's a couple months from now, and six years up here, and uh, I am already thoroughly annoyed by downstaters, okay? Um, and actually, it took about one year and that happened, but uh, nevertheless, and if you're a downstater, I apologize, just listen close and you'll find out what annoys us up here, okay? Uh, but nevertheless, um, I'm driving along and it's just like, I want a bumper sticker that says, if, if okay, let me get, make sure I get this right because you know I'm in front of people now and you're nervous when you do it. But um, um, if, if you are riding my rear, you must be from the downstate. Please just relax. <laughs> just simple, kind, not mean. But I'm like, just relax and pull back. And uh, I have to forgive a lot of people riding my rear. And let me tell you, something, I get more frustrated when I got kids in the back seat. As I'm sitting there going, if I hit the brakes, somebody's going to die when I get out of this car, okay? Um, That's if I'm not dead already. So, um, because, uh, yeah, it just drives me nuts. And I've never noticed it before because I was one of those that used to ride people's rears when I lived in Tampa. Uh, So, uh, but, you know, like I said, every day, you're going to have to forgive somebody even if they don't ask for forgiveness. Because trust me, I had a guy ride me the other day for so long and just kept, I mean, getting real close. And finally, he sped around me. And I'll tell you what, everything inside me, and you're probably thinking, do what? I don't know. I wanted to do something. I was just frustrated that he did that. And I had to calm down, calm down. Don't give in to your flesh. Uh, and forgive them, Lord. Allow them to get caught by a cop. No. Uh, and so, you know, we do. We got to forgive and then when somebody does offer, say, you know what, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. You've got to be willing to offer forgiveness. And that is not easy to do. And I bring this up, one, because of a lot of counseling I've done in my 14 years of full-time ministry and so forth. Um, but uh, it's amazing how many times it's come up to either need to forgive somebody 
or looking how to help somebody forgive somebody, to be forgiven and so forth. It's, it's just, it's all over in life daily. And, uh, and not to mention that, as we get into these two topics today, um, you're going to see how much in my life, uh, it, it also is very much on my heart and mind. And I'll explain that in just a moment. But remember, uh, last week, we talked about the first of all, we have a forgiving Savior. You've got to be able to identify with who Jesus Christ is and be able to be, okay, this is how God is with me. How can I not be with other people? When the truth is we all deserve hell, but yet he is merciful, as I talked about in the song this morning. And you see how he's quick and ready. He wants to forgive. He wants to pardon you. He's eager to do so. And uh, that was encouraging to me as someone who got away from the Lord for three and a half years right out of high school. And uh, I thought, God could never use me. I've already gone too far down a road. And there are many people in here right now, you are thinking that way, and you think, God can't forgive me for what I've done. In fact, last week, I was told about an individual who was struggling emotionally after what I preached on the first two points there, and uh, they really believed that there's no way, no how God forgive. That's a lie. That's a lie that a person has believed within their heart, and it's not biblical. It's not what the Bible teaches at all. So to study our forgiving Savior, getting to know who he is, his promise, uh, his desire to forgive in First John 1, his propensity, his power to be able to do so is, pretty, is, is really uh, astonishing and incredible. And his passion. It's not just something, hey, okay, I'll forgive you today. But rather, he is passionate about it. He wants to, as we saw in the story there in Matthew chapter 7, dealing with the woman in, uh, in sin and coming to God and coming to Christ himself. Um, we also saw that um, a forgiving spirit in you. Uh, and as I mentioned last week, and we closed with this, was that you've got to put the right value on your sin. Uh, a right spirit is not going to be defensive all the time, but you're going to be walking humbly before God. And you're going to, you sit and say, well, who can do that all the time? Well, nobody can, but there's a difference between somebody who refuses to and somebody who says, it's a desire of my heart to walk humbly before God. It's a desire of my heart to call my sin what God calls it. Um, And to put the right value in your sin, number one. Number two, then when you're sitting there going, well, how do I deal with forgiving this person? First of all, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot do it. You cannot do it. Uh, this is one of the virtues. I mentioned this last week. It's one of the virtues to forgive people who, who maybe haven't even said they're sorry. To forgive them is a virtue that you say, go, how can I possibly do it? You can't. So go spend time with the Lord and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Spend time with him. Get to know him. And then you'll be able to do what no human being can do apart from the power of God. Forgiving someone even if they're not sorry. And Christ, of course, is our wonderful example to that when he forgave all of us long before we ever turned to him. He's ready and willing to forgive. said, Father, forgive them. They, they know not what they do. They know not what they do. And so there's this virtue, and you, you say, uh, somebody's told me, asked me to forgive them, but I just can't. I'm so angry inside you can't do it. You've got to put on Lord Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter if you're going to forgive somebody or you're going to accept somebody coming to you and saying, I'm sorry, and you've got to offer forgiveness. Either way, you may say, I just can't do it. Well, that tells you right away, you've got to stop and spend time with the Lord. And that may take several weeks or several months of being preaching, personal study, these things are helped to put us in that place of putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, we talked about that last week. And uh, ultimately, what I came to was, I left you with some questions there. Do you need to forgive somebody? 
And I mentioned these several questions. That came from Jim Berg. I thought they were very uh, thought-provoking questions. Do I have a negative reaction every time I hear the person's name or think about that person again? Do thoughts of how this person uh, has wronged me come back to me frequently? Um, Is it easy to gossip to others about how awful this person is? Uh, Do I get sick to my stomach every time I think about this person? Do I purposefully ignore, turn away, or avoid this person? Do I think about ways that I can make the person pay for what they have done? You know, when I thought evil about that driver, and I promise you I did on Monday, I thought evil about that driver. I was hoping for something to happen to get that person's attention. Okay? And then immediately it was like the Lord said, <laughs> it's funny, the Lord was immediately going, what did you just preach on? And uh, I have to be reminded of the scriptures and what they teach and, uh, and being mindful of that. Uh, and as I mentioned last time as I ended, this may require confrontation or love covering the sin. Christ forgave all while on the cross. We talked about that as well several times. But I want to talk about two other points here this afternoon because they come up a lot and they came up in my life. Uh, many of you know my testimony, and the fact is that another reason why I say it's not just counseling that has brought this to mind, but my own life and experiences I've had. And in here, I'm not seeking to say that my situation is, hey, I've, I've had more troubles than you. Let's compare our troubles and determine whether if I can forgive, you can forgive. I'm not here to compare anything with anybody, but I will tell you, across this, across this auditorium, we've all had our share of trials and challenges, and things we've had to face. Offenses against us, also offenses we've created on our own by choices that we made. And, uh, and you know what? When I look back at my life, you know, uh, I have had this one question that, that haunted me for years. And, uh, you know, uh, my mom passed away when I was uh, 12 years old. And, uh, and uh, you know, that was very hard. It's hard for any child, but you take a child who's a, mother, uh, who's a mama's boy... And it became very, 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 very difficult for me, uh, and so forth. Uh, my sister was, uh, obviously, me and my sister, and she was very, very much daddy's girl. And while it was hard for my sister, I'm not saying it wasn't, we both have talked about that very thing, and, and so forth. And uh, it, it, it hurts in its own unique way. It hurts in its own unique way. Um, but uh, for me, it was like, bam, hit hard, my mom's gone, now what? And I'm going to tell you right now, the question that plagued my mind for years is why did God let this happen? Why did God let this happen? They talk about in Sunday school how he's all powerful. He's a good God. He knows what you have need of. Then he could have stopped this. He could have cured her. Uh, He could have have eliminated the situation. There are so many things. If he's a good God, he knows we have need of. How did he not know that I had need of my mom? And the truth is, now as a biblical counselor, as a pastor, when I am with people who are going through a difficult time and they ask that question, I don't always answer it right away biblically because I'm, it, the best thing I can do is let them vent. Let them get it out. Let them get it out. And I don't look at them and go, oh, that is such wrong philosophy. No, I sit there and Give them room. Because that's exactly what God does with David so many times in the Psalms. Give them room. God understands how you're hurting. He knows the struggle you're going through. He knows. He doesn't, how dare you ask me that question of why I let this happen? No. No, he, he doesn't do that. And uh, so I spent, I spent nine years looking for this very answer. 
And you can almost say that ultimately, I'm trying to find, you're, you can sit here and say, so how to forgive God? Where do you get that? Well, ultimately we're saying, God, I hold you responsible for this. I hold you responsible. You could have stopped this. Now look where you've left me. Now we would never say, oh, we don't need to forgive God for anything. But the truth is, many of us down deep at one time or another, maybe even right now, we sit there and we hold it inside going, God, why did you let this happen? So we can spend that time looking for the answer, and yet all along, I want you to turn to Psalm 32. I want you to turn to Psalm 32 for a moment. I want you to see a man who went through struggles. Um, running because people are after his life, making poor choices that were costing him years of service for God. We know David did so many things, and what consistently amazes me when I go through scriptures is that it sits there with all the trouble surrounding David. God looked at him and said, it's a man after my own heart. I remember when I was in college class, and the, the professor really emphasized that. I go, Keep in mind, I was only probably within my first year banging back right with the Lord. And I thought, how can he look at all the mistakes of David and say, man after my own heart? What? How is that possible? How is that possible? It doesn't say a lot about David. It says everything about God and who he is. Psalm 32, if you look at verse number 1, it says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. This is David talking. Whose sin is covered, blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. You want to know what's happening when you're unwilling to deal with something in your life, especially the area of forgiveness and forgiving somebody, or being willing to say, hey, I forgive you, or going and getting something right. This is what's happening in your life. And you can hide it for a while. You can hide it because you don't want anybody to see it. You don't want anybody, any pressures. You don't want anybody to talk to you. Everything's good. Yes, how are you going? Good, good morning, good morning. Good to have you at church today. But inside, you know you're waxing old. And in due time, you don't even like the feeling of it anymore. Before, it was hide it from others. Now, it's a matter of, I don't even want to feel it anymore. So now we start to suppress it. We got to find a way to suppress it. Push it down. I don't even want to think about it. And now it begins to show on the countenance. And the countenance begins to look like you've been beat up. But yet you in your beat up state, and I at one time was like this, and I still have my times, were still unwilling to go, I'm fine. I'm fine. Are you doing okay? I'm doing fine. Why would you ask? It's a thing called countenance, maybe? And yet we are unwilling, and our countenance just shows, I'm trying to put on the joy of the Lord because I'm supposed to be seen of men, but really I'm being eaten away inside. David here saying, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night, thy hand, in verse 4 it says, was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledge my sanity, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. I'm going to tell you right now, there's not a sin I haven't done. And let me tell you something. I've done some things I should never have done. And yet God has said, I forgive you. And, he, and his spirit said, I forgive you. I mean, I said when I was in high school, I will never drink. I will never smoke. 
My son just brought this up to me the other day. Dad, I will never do this. I'll never have a divorce with my wife. I'll never do that. I'm so glad you and Mommy are together and everything like that. I said, son, the only way you're never going to have a divorce is that you follow God and obey his word. Otherwise, the very thing you said you would never do, you'll end up doing if you follow after your flesh. And yet here David is saying, let me tell you something, I made some really bad choices, David tells us, and yet God has forgiven me. When we look at this passage here and you say, how do, how do, how do I forgive? Why did God let this happen? There's, first of all, David, you know what? We don't see David going, God, you really didn't give me much of a choice. I mean, you put that woman right out there and she'll beautiful. I mean, I mean and, then, and then, you know what? You bring that man. Why did he just go like I told him to go? I mean, thing after thing, I just was left. No, 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 no. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God will with the temptation always make a way of escape that you may be able to bear. You're going to either say, I don't believe that. It's Bible. You're going to have to choose it. If you don't choose to believe it, you're going to wax old. You can say, I don't agree with that. I'm going to tell you right now, when I finally came back, to, came back to God and I started getting right with God and started, all of a sudden I began to see that, you know what? There were opportunities. There were op- just as there's always the opportunity to sin and do wrong, there's always the opportunity to do right. There's always two choices on the shelf, pleasing God or pleasing self. But when I look back at my opportunities for doing right and forgiving God for the death of my mom and forgiving my stepmom for different things, when I had the opportunity to do right, instead I says, No! Because I'm listening to my feelings and not the facts. And the facts are, he will not give you more than you could handle. It may feel like it, but that's what we got to always remind ourselves. Where do those feelings come from? A heart that is deceitful and desperately wicked who can know it. Where does it come from? It comes from a wicked, sinful heart. Okay? Ignore Hallmark. Do not follow your heart. Okay? Don't do it, all right? That is wrong. That's the philosophy of the world. It will not lead to anything but trouble for you. You know, after my bones had waxed old from anger, bitterness, and more sinful choices in my pursuit to answer that question, trying to come to a place where how can I possibly forgive God? How, how, why did he let this happen? All the point, uh, it came to a place where I was studying in the book of Job. And I came to realize, man, what a waste of years. What I learned in the book of Job, and I'll have you look there in just a moment, Job 38, you can turn there. I learned, number one, God is not obligated to me. But I am obligated to God. His answer would, and number two I found, his answer would only lead to more questions. If he answers the one, Lord, why'd you let that happen? And if he gave me some answer, i go, well, did you ever consider this? Did you ever consider this? We're going to give God all kinds of options here. Well, and we're trying to go from our understanding. It would only, number two, it would only lead to more questions. And number three, what came to, my, came to mind was, who am I to question God? When I finally came to that realization, it was very freeing because I quit holding God hostage and realized the only hostage was me. I was being hot, held hostage to so many feelings inside that were destroying me. And when you, when you look here at Job 38, after 37 chapters, 
of Job having his thoughts and all of his frenemies having their thoughts, okay? All of a sudden you get to Job and you get to Job chapter 38. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Oh, wow. (laughs) I get annoyed when my children speak on something and they have no clue what they're talking about. I have to really be patient in those things. And usually my wife's going, easy, easy. And I have, okay, okay, I'm supposed to help them get the knowledge. But you know what I mean? It's the attitude that they sometimes can bring or that even adults can bring in your direction of going and they think they know. And, and God is looking going, who is this that, answered, that, that, that uh, darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? You don't know what you're talking about. Now, does he say it like that? no. It's really neat when you read through God's words here. He does not handle things like Jamie Lundquist, and praise God he doesn't. Okay? He simply looks, and with a still small voice, as he did Peter, and as he's done so many before, he looks at you and says, Hey, gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Where was that? When I laid the foundations of the earth. Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest, or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Uh, how does everything stick together? How is that possible? Who laid the cornerstone thereof? Where were you? When I began to dive into this, I realized I'm charging God with something. And what does that do when I am charging God with something? I'm saying, God... I know better. We're making ourselves the judge. There's a reason why in the, in the message lesson I started out with, we need to know who God is because before you go bring in charge of God, hey, get to know who he is. And when you get to know who he is, you'll learn what to pass. I know what my wife does not like. I know the things that she doesn't like within home. I know things that bother her. I know the things that she really loves. I have learned these things. Why then would I go do things that I know she doesn't like, why would I go do them unless I'm just trying to be a booger? Which there are moments for that, okay? But overall, I'm constantly trying to, okay, you know what, kids? I could go ask my kids right here if I brought them up and go, hey, why do we clean the house? And they would give you all their answers based on my indoctrination over the 11 years one has been in our home of explaining. Why? Because this reflects upon mommy. Hey, we're going to do it for the glory of God. They've got all these answers because of things. I've said it over and over and over and over. I want to please my wife. I want her to be pleased. Now, just so you know, you say, wow, that's incredible that you think that way. It's only been three years. Um, (laughs) I, I was a horrible husband the first 12 years or so. I'm, I'm, I'm now a phenomenal husband, right? Yeah, thank you. Okay. Uh, but the fact is, it takes spiritual growth to come to realizing, wait a minute, this, if, I, if I love this person, I need to do, learn what this person likes and doesn't like. And it stands to reason that, hey, wait, but what is God like? Well, I know he's a good God. And, and I know that he does all things well. I also learned in the scriptures that The saving of souls is the number one thing to him. And as somebody who's struggling with worry, 
He'll help you with that. But number one to him in a triage unit is, is that person going to hell? I'll work with the person who's struggling with worry. I'll work with this person, but let me tell you something. The worry is not necessarily going to be life or death at that moment, but the salvation of a soul is. And when I learned that what God's heartbeat was, what was number one, I realized there's something going on here bigger than what Jamie needed growing up. There's something greater going on here. And that God will get me through this. And God has. And, and unfortunately, I went from one mom to about 14 moms in different churches all over this country. So I've got mothers all over the place, okay? Um, some that I'm thankful for, others not so thankful. But nevertheless, God did fill in. And when my dad passed away back in 2008, what did God do? He's filled in the gap. Is it cold? Nobody can fill in the gap quite like my dad did. I mean, after all, he was 300 pounds and six foot three. But that's not what I mean. What I do mean is, the love of a dad. Being able to call him up and be able to get advice just like that. But you know what? Men come forward to help mentor you and help you grow. And where there's a gap, there's God. God giving you grace and strength. So you say, when you're sitting here wondering about God, I would look at you and say, you don't know God yet. If you're charging God with this crime, if you're charging God, why didn't God step back You're asking the wrong questions. The question should be is, who is God? What hath he done? What has he already done? Let's go back and look at his marvelous works. That's exactly what he goes on here. I noticed that in Job chapter 38. He went on to go, let me explain, Job, what I've already done. Let me explain my power. Let me explain my omniscience. Let me tell you about my knowledge. Let me tell you about my understanding. It goes well beyond you. Let me explain who I am. The fact is, the better we get to know God, the better view of ourselves that we have. We often have an inflated view of ourselves. The better view we have of ourselves, the sooner we quit trying to play judge and just step back. I heard one preacher recently say, I thought this was good, those who wonder why God won't execute judgment on someone are typically the same people who think God is too harsh when he does. Think about that. When he does finally do judgment... We're upset. God, no, no. I think God was a little harsh there. And ultimately, God said, wait a minute, quit questioning God. We're asking the wrong, we should be questioning ourselves of what is your motive? Well, I know the motive because I can see it in the heart, my heart, what God's word says. When we're questioning God, we are in essence saying, God, tell me how you came to this decision. I will tell you if you're right. I heard this recently as well, and I thought it was great, and I'm going to finish this one point on this. Let me, let, let me tell you, if you were all-knowing and all-wise as he is, you would make the same decision with that situation. Think about that. If you were all-knowing and all-wise and just like God, you would have made the exact same decision because you would have the full picture, and you would know what is right. But we don't, and therefore, that's why God says, live by faith and not by sight. Not by feeling, not by what you're going. Stop. God is good. God has priorities. I need to go to the scriptures and find out what those priorities are. I need to learn more about my God, and as I learn more about my God, I'll realize I have no reason to question. But really, simply just to ask God Give me more grace, please. And God says in his word that if you ask for grace, 
He giveth it liberally. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that because I need a lot of grace. <laughs> I use up a lot. Okay? I use up a lot of grace. Next thing I want to mention here before we close today is the second thing here, how to forgive myself. This is quite common as well. I know God has forgiven me, but I just can't forgive myself. First of all, nowhere in the Bible will you ever find anything that says you must forgive yourself. It's nowhere found in Scripture. Uh, Number two, what the Bible does teach is it teaches us to ask God and others for forgiveness. Third of all, his forgiveness is sufficient. If you needed to forgive yourself, immediately that makes his forgiveness not enough in itself to cover the problem. That means he's insufficient. But we know from Scripture that his word, nothing ever needs to be added to it. We know that with everything he's done, his salvation doesn't need your works. Christ did the work on the cross. Nothing needs to be added to it. So we see through the the scriptures over and over again that, whoa, 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 whoa. Nowhere are you called upon, i got to forgive myself. You say, but then what am I feeling? What am I doing with? That's what I want to help you here with. It could be one of these two things here that are possibly going on within you for things that maybe you've done in your past. And that could be 40 years ago. That could be just the other day. One, wounded pride. Why don't you turn over to Jeremiah 17, 9. Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17. It's a verse you're probably pretty common with, but still I'd like for you to see it for yourself and be reminded of its truth. Jeremiah chapter 17, I want you to look down there at verse number 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? When you go looking at the context of that that verse and you break it down and you go looking, well, what does this mean? Who can know it? You don't even know your heart. God says, I know your heart. I know what it's capable of, but you don't know it. You don't know what you're capable of. Oftentimes, what we have going on here is one wounded pride where I just can't believe I did that. I understand. Move on now. To ask it once, it may be, just can't believe I did that. I just can't believe it. But then you go say scriptures and you in due time are convinced in your mind. I know how it happened. I'm going to tell you right now, when, when I fail, when I finally get right with the Lord and confess my sin, God always shows, God, God always shows me the path that happened that led to that. And immediately I look back and I go, I've been careless with my devotions. My scripture memory has gone to the side. You know, I've let this little pet sin in over here. I've let that. I can always see the path of pattern that just, just, it's just there. It just, and I'm going, Lord, thank you for showing me that path, that pattern that just happened, that brought me to this place. And you chose to use this sin to humble me, to remind me 
of my responsibility before you. So it could be this wound of pride, but if you, sit there, if you stay there and here we are years later, I still just can't believe I did it. Why does that surprise you? Because I just, I, I, I don't do that kind of thing. David wasn't known to be a murderer until he murdered. He was not known for being a murderer until he chose to be a murderer. And he wasn't doing it all, and all of a sudden, all these sins, you know, we've all been there before where, what, what was I doing? What was I doing? And oftentimes it's wounded pride, and if we truly know what the Bible says about our heart. Now, the world says it's wrong to think that way about your heart. You're being too harsh with yourself. Well, no, I'm really a wicked person. No, you're not. God doesn't let us know the truth about ourselves to beat us down. He knows, wants us to know the truth about ourselves because we need to know the reality. You don't have to get beat down. It's freeing to know the truth about yourself and know that God is there to heal it. God is there to strengthen you and encourage you. Number two, the other possibility that oftentimes comes up is personal regret and shame. I get this. I've been there, done that. Personal regret and shame. You say, what do you do with personal regret and shame? Well, I'm glad you asked. Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. We're going to end with this here. Isaiah chapter 1. I want you to see this because this is often probably uh, where people find themselves going next, uh, if not the first time. Um, is the aspect of I have so much regret of what I did with that relationship or I have so much shame. How do I possibly come to a place of forgiving myself? What what do I do with this? Isaiah chapter 1, I want you to look at verse number 18. It says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Think about that verse and let it sink in that God has the power to right your wrong. God has the power to cleanse you of all those sinful stains. You say, but I got so much regret. Whoa, 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 whoa. Take those thoughts and put them in captivity to the obedience of Christ. That means you say, wait a minute, I can't be thinking that way. I can't be thinking, okay, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? You've got to bring it into captivity. You say, well, how do you bring a thought into captivity? I don't know. That's what the Bible tells you to do. Do it. That's real encouraging, isn't it? That's real encouraging. Okay, thanks so much, Pastor Jamie. Um, you don't know how to do it. No, I have to do it, unfortunately, way too often. It's a choice. And I know you may sit there and go, I'm trying to make a different choice. No, no, no. You have to make a choice to put off, but you can't just put off alone. When I have thoughts coming in me, and I, and I know I shouldn't be thinking them, even thoughts of regret, shame, or maybe wrong choice, wrong thoughts of something I just saw on a billboard, you name it, or worrisome thoughts of, what if, if that situation happens, how will I save my children from that situation? Whoa, 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 whoa. You're not in that situation. We are constantly having to take thoughts into captivity. How do you do that? You take the thought and you say, you identify it with what it is, and now I need to think on something else. And so you go take that thought and you go spray it with a bunch of other good thoughts. Here's what I mean. There's all kinds of ways to do this. One, scripture memory. 
You go get into the scriptures. You know, oftentimes people come to me and they're, they're struggling and they're, they're, they're dealing with regret, shame, and everything else. And it's like, I, need to, I, I want these thoughts to go away. Okay, well, you've got to push them out with putting on. To just put off something, that's going to come back even worse than the first. You've got to put it off and now put something else on in place of it. And that's where God's word comes in, in spiritual music. Some people come in and they'll, they'll, they'll tell me, I'm trying to put it off. Well, what are you doing? Well, I've got this one verse I've been working on for, for a couple, about a month now or for a couple months now. You've got one verse you've been working on for a month or two? What, what else are you doing? I'm going to tell you right now, my car has been so filthy sometimes, a squirt bottle ain't going to cut it. I've got to turn the well on full pressure, okay? And I've got to take a hose that's going to really spray that out. And sometimes, whoa, whoa, whoa. It needs more than this. Tom, I need your power washer. I need something to fly at that car at about 80 miles per hour to knock that stuff off, okay? The scripture is the same thing. I remember years ago, and maybe you, I don't know if you, some of you might remember, I had years ago that I went on a weight loss plan here at the church, and I lost about 15 pounds in about two or three weeks. And uh, because I was worrying about something. I was anxious about something. I didn't know how to bring the thoughts in captivity. And then, then through counsel from pastor and my father-in-law and other individuals, I circled this field several times. I'd come back in. I'd work. I'd work. I'd work. And the next thing I know, I was being attacked again. I'd get up. I'd go up and down these hallways, reading scripture, memorizing scripture, saying them out loud, saying them out loud. I then sometimes would go out to the field, circled that field several times. So I was in a battle. When you're having regret or shame, you're in a battle because the devil knows if he keeps the regret and shame there, you are useless. Useless. That's pretty good. Useless to Christ. You can't be used by him because he's got you focused on you. Your regret, your shame. It's no different than anxiety or pornographic thoughts. It's all about you. Regret and shame, it's all about you. No, no, no. Cast that down. What has God said? If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Not just, well, there's a little part of it still not. No, no, it's, it's sufficient. So now you put off, and now you put on. And there are seasons I've been in where it's just kind of like, I can't listen to enough godly music. I can't keep listening to lots of godly music. I've got to keep quoting scripture. And it's just kind of like, spiritual warfare is exhausting. Spiritual warfare is exhausting. You've been there before? You put it off, you cast it aside. Yes, it's going to come back one day. It will come back because Satan is constantly seeking to charge us. Constantly seeking to. You put it, as one person said, put it in a trash can and put a lid on it. And when you're tempted to open the lid, go put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on something else instead of, whoop, that thought just came back to mind. Okay, I got to get, I gotta get, I gotta get doing something else to get away from that accusation because God has forgiven me. God has forgiven me. I ask you as a close, is there someone you need to forgive? Is there somebody that has forgiven you and they've came to you, but you need to accept their forgiveness? You're still beating yourself up. Don't wait. Go to them right away and deal with it. My wife and I, and I don't mind saying this, I don't think it'll be a problem. My wife and I went 10 years having night after night, I shouldn't say night after night, but it came up a lot in our first 10 years of a problem between me and her and my in-laws. And we thought this. We thought this was the problem. 
Finally, after 10 years of marriage and neither but, nobody bringing it up, but just sensing that it was a tension in the air, I finally brought it up. And we brought it up to, um, one of, I think it was my mother-in-law at the time was down, was down there. And I brought it up to her and I go, well, this was and this, and we, we know, and I'm, we said we're sorry. That's not our problem. Amber and I looked at each other and go, it's, it's not? No, no. We have a problem with this over here. Oh, well. Well, I, I want to get that right. I'll talk with Dad Ram. We'll, we'll make that right. We were on the wrong track for 10 years. You say you share that. Why? Because I'm an assistant pastor. He's a senior pastor. Just because you're in ministry doesn't mean you're exempt from these kinds of things. And little do we know, Satan was using it to bring a divide for 10 years. Is there a divide happening in your life? And you think you've got it all figured out. I know why I didn't. Stop. Let God be judged, don't you? If there's something you need to get right today with somebody, if there's questions, concerns you have, you know what? Go talk to God and put on Lord Jesus Christ and handle it in a way that doesn't continue to destroy you. Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. Perhaps it's to forgive somebody. Perhaps it's just to receive forgiveness, whatever the case may be. pastor's going to come, and I'm going to leave hand the invitation time over to him. You'll be thinking about what does God want you to make right before him so you don't continue to wax old. God wants you to have the joy of your salvation. Let's stand, please. It's good to come to a place where you can hear the truth proclaimed, as it was this evening. As the Lord, I hope, has spoken to your heart, now perhaps it's time for you to speak to Him. Amber's going to play on this next verse, Brother Tom's going to sing. And only you know how the Lord used this message to speak to your heart. But let me just encourage you, act upon it. Amber's going to play, Brother Tom's going to sing. If you need to come, you come.